What's going on, family? Happy Monday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you have had a great weekend and an amazing week as well. A lot has happened. There's always a lot happening in the world of pro wrestling, but we are certainly here to bring it to you. Shout out to all of you who join us in varying spaces, whether that is on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show, or if you are joining us right here on the podcast as a subscriber, thank you so much. These things really do mean the world to all of us, not just me. So thank you so much. If you're brand new, welcome to The Faction. It's great to have you here. I am excited that we get to discuss the world of pro wrestling, and I hope that you'll find our discussions and our content something that you deem enjoyable that's for sure so with that said hey let's get right into it because there is a lot to cover we have to start well i started to say we have to start with wwe but i kind of want to go back a little bit and start with aew okay we're gonna start with aew we are going to recap crown jewels so stay tuned for that but i want to talk a bit about aew AEW Dynamite. Coming into Dynamite, there was a tweet that was sent about two hours before that something would happen on Dynamite that would have the world talking. The problem for me is which thing? Because there were several things that had the world talking on Dynamite, which I'll just say Dynamite was probably one of the more enjoyable Dynamites that I have seen in this entire calendar year. Let's start right from the top where you have Darby Allen in a match against Jay Lethal. And then you have the multiple stings that show up. One proves to be Cole Carter. And then the other proves to be, of all people, Jeff Jarrett. And so both of those are extremely shocking moves, specifically Jarrett. Now, what's interesting, of course, we know, at least if you've been paying attention to wrestling over the last few months, the relationship between Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal as they were tag team partners at Ric Flair's last match. And I hope you saw my air quotes, his last match pay-per-view that happened the day after SummerSlam. It's so interesting because, you know, a lot has changed for Jeff Jarrett. That weekend, Jeff Jarrett was the referee for the tag team title match involving the Usos at SummerSlam. And then the next night, he was, of course, at Ric Flair's last match. Shortly thereafter, he would be released from WWE. And mind you, he held a VP position. I believe he was VP of live events. So now we find out that not only is Jeff Jarrett on screen in AEW, but he actually holds a position there as well. As we would find out later in the week from Tony Khan that Jeff Jarrett is not just on screen, but Jeff Jarrett holds a position in the front office at AEW. He is now the director of business development. Development. So this is all super interesting when you think about the fact that really is there another man who has touched more promotions, more major promotions in this business than Jeff Jarrett? I, I don't know. Think about it. He helped to create TNA and Impact. Of course, he spent time in the NWA. He spent time in WCW. He was part of the USWA. Spent time in WWE. Jim Crockett Promotions. Like, he's done an awful lot. And in this calendar year alone, 
He's been a part of GCW, the NWA, WWE, Jim Crockett Promotions, and AEW. It's pretty crazy to think that he accomplished all of that in one year's time. But he did. So kudos to Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett now in AEW, which I will say this. I think that AEW has been making some very strategic moves. You know, for the longest time, we had been looking at AEW as A, an alternative to WWE, but B, it sort of became the landing place for people who were released from WWE. Well, as things have certainly grown in terms of roster size and status for AEW, AEW is now realizing that where they need the most help isn't necessarily on screen. It's backstage. And certainly, if anything proved that, it was the media scrum that was heard around the world at the top of September. That still is really not just haunting, but it's shaping AEW as we know it. That led to the other super noteworthy moment where Chris Jericho announced that he would be battling a former Ring of Honor champion. And he didn't care if that person held the tag titles, the six-man titles, the world title, the TV title, or even the women's championship. Well, who would come through the tunnel then? Colt Cabana? Yeah, you heard me right. Colt Cabana. And this is a moment where I wish this were a video podcast because I'd want you to see my face. Because the face that I had when Colt Cabana came through that tunnel was priceless, right? Because again, going back to the media scrum, the one name that continued to be mentioned by CM Punk was Colt Cabana. So Colt Cabana showing up on AEW television, getting a shot at the Ring of Honor World Championship, and being discussed in a manner that talked about everything but the controversy in the media scrum. In fact, there was even a mention of his mom. Now, take that fact, couple it with, for the second or now third week in a row, we've seen visual images of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks on AEW television. And there is this figure who seems to be erasing them from the picture in terms of winning the trios championships, even removing the name Elite from All Elite Wrestling. So if you package all of that together, you are left to only come to one conclusion. Now, we do know for a fact that the investigation in AEW about this scrum seems to be over. And I say seems to be because there's been some fallout. We saw Ace Steel was fired. Now we're seeing these images of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks back on television. We see Colt Cabana now on television. It says to me that AEW very, very clearly is looking to wash their hands of all things related to CM Punk. It's a boss move. It's a major move. And it's as though the company said something without saying a single word. So I can't possibly think that CM Punk will be back in AEW if AEW has welcomed back Colt Cabana. And if AEW has said, hey, we're going to at least start mentioning or putting the Bucks and Kenny Omega on television again. So if we're taking sides here, it seems as though AEW is not siding 
with CM Punk, which means we certainly could have seen the last of CM Punk in an AEW ring. Now, from there, things also get interesting because one of the people who has not had an awful lot to say but chose to make a statement is one Matt Hardy. So Matt Hardy had a podcast, and on the Matt Hardy podcast, he started making some comments about the scrum that happened in All Out, and then he went on and put a tweet out to really clarify what he said. Here's what that tweet said. It said, quote, my comments from this week's Matt Hardy podcast have been misconstrued. I was not at All Out 2022. I did not say that I witnessed the events at All Out. I witnessed the entire process in real time over the months and stand by my comment that the elite were not in the wrong. So this all gets very interesting as it seems, again, more of AEW seems to be taking sides. And based on what Matt Hardy has said, he says the elite was not in the wrong, having seen what has happened over months backstage. And so to that end, I want to say this. I know it is really popular for us as wrestling fans to be able to kind of make assertions and assumptions based on certain things. But one of the things that I'm realizing, certainly after being in the wrestling business for a little bit now, is until you have been backstage and until you've been present in a situation, you don't really know what has happened. And so what we don't know is what led to Hangman Page ultimately saying what he said on camera about CM Punk. We don't know what led to CM Punk saying what he has said in the scrum, though CM Punk did somewhat tell us why he did it. We don't know why he picked the timing of that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But with all of that said, I think this makes things even more interesting as we continue to look at this saga involving AEW and CM Punk. But that wasn't the only massive moment that we could have been talking about. Maybe it was what happened after the triple threat match for the AEW All-Atlantic Championship held and successfully defended by Orange Cassidy. He would then be saved from a beatdown by Katsuyora Shibata, who is a massive legend in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And he runs the New Japan LA Dojo. Well, we would find out shortly thereafter that Orange Cassidy would sign the dotted line to take on Katsuyora Shibata on Rampage Live Friday night. Yeah, that's a big deal. It's a big deal because it's the first match for Shibata in the States in seven years. It's a big deal because it's only his third match back from what many thought was not just a career-ending brain injury, but what could have been a life-ending brain injury. And so, lots of things heaped up into this episode of AEW Dynamite, which, again, I loved AEW Dynamite this week. That leads us to AEW Rampage, and Rampage was live from Atlantic City with Mike Tyson as a guest commentator. So it kicked off, of course, with Katsuyora Shibata taking on Orange Cassidy. Now, I think for a lot of us in our worlds, there may be no way that Orange Cassidy beats Shibata, but it happened in AEW, and it was a really solid match, so I've got no issues with that. What is interesting, of course, is to have Mike Tyson as guest commentator. So let me just kind of 
tell you something that you're probably not going to hear on most podcasts. This is one of the beauties of being a commentator in pro wrestling. And one of the things you don't hear us talk about very often is what it's like to have guest commentary. So on one end, I think it's always a win for fans for the most part when you get to hear voices that you don't normally get to hear from. If they are wrestlers who are normally wrestling, if they are managers, etc., there's a win to that. And I think there's always intrigue for the fan. Now, from the fan perspective, you get to determine whether or not you like the job that the guest commentator did. Did they give you information or content that would be of interest to you, etc., etc., etc.? From a commentary perspective, it makes us very nervous when we have guest commentators. And here's why. If they're not somebody that you have normally worked with or not somebody who is known for being a great talker, it could go left at any moment. Ironically, we had a guest commentator this past Friday on SHW, which I may tell you about. I had a couple of guest commentators this past week at Battle Slam. And in all of those spaces, things worked well for the most part. But it does create a bit of nervous energy for us commentators because we kind of have an idea of how we want to present the match. And obviously, when you have someone else there, their agenda is a little bit different. Their motive is a bit different. And so what they will call and how they will call things will be a bit different. Having said all of that, Mike Tyson on commentary I'm not sure that I ever anticipated it. I will say I think to some degree he did a really solid job in terms of his information and his awareness of moves and things like that. I think people forget that Tyson is a fan of pro wrestling, has been a lifelong fan of pro wrestling. So that's why we've seen him involved in both WWE and in AEW. That's a thing. On commentary, though, I wasn't sure that I was anticipating that. And so I will say that I think Tyson, he had a moment where he dropped an expletive. It was live TV, so they obviously didn't catch it fast enough. There were times that he talked over the announcers, but he didn't know, right? He didn't know. I think it was good to have him on for one match and one match only. And I'm not fully sure. Obviously, I'm guessing it was a ratings grab for AEW Rampage. But AEW already has a pretty crowded commentary booth. At the least, there are three people. At times, there are four. So adding another voice just makes things, I think, even more difficult. So Yeah, that's my thought. What did you think of Mike Tyson on commentary at AEW Rampage? Let us know on the socials at The Faction Show. When we come back, we're going to have a conversation about Crown Jewel. And then we're also going to talk Sasha Banks. All of that's coming up when we come back. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. What are you doing? Well, you know, I got to plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm going to start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were going to start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see 
all the things that he was doing. They were starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perceptions, reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me, if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. Hey, wow. How about that? Oh. The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here for a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year is going to be mine, COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win, there is a you, there will always be S-H-W. This is Caprice Coleman, and you're listening to The Faction on Bonafide Radio. That's right, the mouth, the style, the grace, the shape, and the face. Support Bonafide Radio, The Faction. Keep it on, baby. All right, guys, so that takes us all the way to Saturday. Crown Jewel, the pay-per-view from Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, took place. So it seems as though every WWE event in Saudi Arabia has been shrouded in controversy. Well, I get it, right? There is a complicated relationship between Saudi Arabia and the United States. Understood. However, WWE inked a deal with Saudi Arabia for 10 years that gives them somewhere in the neighborhood of $500 million in revenue. They get paid legit anywhere between 40 to $55 million per event, which is crazy. So think about it. This deal started in 2018. It runs through 2027. So we are basically halfway through this deal and it has gained them a ton of money. So consider this money. Consider the idea that in this deal, you can make basically $50 million an event. I don't think you're going to walk away from that. I just don't think you're going to. I know this. It'd be really, really hard for me to turn down $50 million. And, you know, and, I, and I've heard people say, this is why I don't run a billion dollar company. And maybe that's why, right? Like that's no shade to anybody, but it is to say, well, let me just say this. Let me say this. I've said this before in other circles. And I think it's important to say this here. I absolutely think ethics and integrity are of extreme importance. With that said, I will also say that activism is costly, okay? And and I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. I absolutely believe you should stand up for what you believe is right. I also believe you should count up the cost for doing that, okay? People make all sorts of paydays. And again, you've got to decide what's important to you. Did the people that are coming to this event create some of the atrocities that have gone on? I don't know, right? 
but they certainly are fans of the product. And so it's a tough situation. But I will say this, the WWE makes 40 to $50 million an event in Saudi Arabia, and they've got a 10-year deal. So just consider that as we're starting to think about, you know, ethics and all of that jazz. So with all of that said, one of the things that WWE has been very strategic in doing over these last few years has been making these events actually count and mean something. If you remember, I believe it was earlier this year where they held the elimination chamber over in Saudi Arabia. And you've got to consider this. 2020 specifically, WWE, because of the pandemic, did not hold any events in Saudi Arabia. So they lost, obviously, some money connected to that. So I get it. I get it. What I think they've done wisely is they have, for one, made sure that they present events that the rest of the world will be interested in. Secondly, I think what is wise on their part is they really worked hard, according to them, to make all sorts of security really, really tight so that everybody would be safe because there were threats that came in earlier this week of some conflict potentially between Iran and Saudi Arabia. With all of that said, WWE presented a very solid card. It is, again, the second international event under the Triple H rule, the first being, of course, Clash at the Castle, which I believe that did like $8 million or so. So having said that, let's talk about Crown Jewel. Here are the results from Crown Jewel. Brock Lesnar defeated Bobby Lashley in a very interesting match that Lashley dominated. Dakota Kai and EO Sky Damage Control defeated Asuka and Alexa Bliss to regain the Women's Tag Team Championships. Drew McIntyre defeated Karrion Cross in a steel cage match. The Judgment Day defeated the OC in a six-man tag. Braun Strowman defeated Omos. Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair defeated Bailey in a last man standing match. And Roman Reigns defeated Logan Paul in a match for the Undisputed Universal Championship. All in all, I actually really enjoyed this pay-per-view. Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. So this is the rematch from earlier this year at the Royal Rumble where Bobby Lashley defeated Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship with a wee bit of interference. I think in this match, we saw Bobby Lashley completely dominate Brock Lesnar, like dominate. It was incredible. I don't think we've seen anybody dominate Brock Lesnar like this before. Goldberg's match was very, very fast, but this match was a little lengthy for Brock Lesnar. And Lesnar ends up winning after somewhat reversing the hurt lock, which he never did escape, and pinning Bobby Lashley almost by luck. So this creates a whole new situation. Is the war over between Lesnar and Lashley? I don't think it is. I think there's a rubber match. Maybe the rubber match happens at Mania. I don't know. It makes a lot of sense to me, though. Dakota Kai and EO Sky regained the Women's Tag Team Championships after interference from Nikki Cross. So I think people are wondering, why is Nikki Cross showing up in a match like this? How much sense does it make? But put the pieces together. Remember, Nikki Cross helped Bailey defeat Bianca two weeks ago. She ended up in a match with Bianca Belair, et cetera, et cetera. I think Nikki Cross is a disruptor. I think that's her whole deal. 
after being a superhero, she is a disruptor. And so anywhere where she can cause chaos and confusion, that's what she's doing. And I think it makes sense. Now, the whole women's roster has an issue with her, be it the women's champion, the former tag team champions. Yeah, there are issues to be had. And maybe this is setting up the big match that's coming, the big war games match that's coming for the women. It's five on five. So I'm thinking damage control and maybe Nikki Cross and they find a fifth person. I'll tell you who I think they're going to take on. I'll do that in a second. Let's go to the steel cage match. Drew McIntyre needed to win this. I don't know that I realized that Drew McIntyre has lost his last four premium live event matches. So he kind of had to win this one. And he did. It just kind of made sense. So great win, great match for Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross. The Judgment Day defeating the OC. Let me just tell you something. It is a rare condition in this day and age where you have somebody who is an active wrestler who becomes more successful outside of the ring than inside of the ring, such as the case for Rhea Ripley. She has really become the leader, the it factor, the X factor for the Judgment Day, elevating everyone in the Judgment Day. I love what's happening here and I think this is such a great, great move for them. Braun Strowman and Omos. I think Omos was as, as dominant as we've ever seen him. And I think his skill set is improving. I think it's a great thing. So congratulations to Omos. Great showing. And that's one of the things that I liked between Strowman and Omos and Lesnar and Lashley is those who lost looked actually stronger. And you remembered more of what they did, even though they did not win. The Usos retained against the Brawling Brutes. I think we expected that. And I think it's clear the Usos are going to defeat the New Day next week to become the longest reigning tag team champions in WWE history. Once again, Bianca Belair and Bailey steal the show. I hope we are appreciating what we are seeing here with Bianca Belair. I really, really do. This is, in my opinion, her greatest rivalry, her greatest feud. I loved the rivalry with Becky Lynch. I really did. But I think the fact that she's showing that she can hang with Becky Lynch, Bailey. She's, of course, defeated Sasha. There's really only one person left for her to defeat as we start looking at the four horsewomen of NXT or of WWE. And maybe that happens at WrestleMania. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. But what a match. Bianca Belair, Bailey. Like, this is just, this is just great. It's absolutely great. We heard from Bray Wyatt. The mystery keeps getting deeper and deeper. And I like it. There are some folks who don't, but I'm loving it. We're getting layers. We're not getting everything just shown at us at one time. And as this thing starts to unfold, I think this is great. Bray keeps taking us into who he is. Most did not know that he was part of a wrestling family. In case you don't know, it is the family of Mike Rotunda. Mike Rotunda, also known as IRS, is Bray Wyatt's dad, right? And so, yeah, it's it's very interesting to see the connection there, the connection to the Wyndham family as well. Yeah, so this is, this is just great. It is great. It is great. It is great. Roman Reigns, Logan Paul. 
So I don't think any of us expected Logan Paul to win, though that possibility really was out there. And I think we have to acknowledge that if WWE created a celebrity championship, it would belong to Logan Paul. How this man looked this good in only three matches, I don't know. That's special. And I know we give credit to Roman Reigns, but Logan Paul literally had a phone in his hand and was recording an entire reel as he jumped off of the top rope. It was amazing to watch. And then watching the footage back was even more amazing. Logan Paul is special. And yes, he suffered some injuries, which I completely understand. People will be like, well, no, it's a work, blah, blah, blah. What I don't think people understand is this. Your body has to get used to a certain level of punishment. And what he put his body through, yeah, he he went through some serious things, for sure. So it'll be a while before we see Logan Paul again, but what an amazing performance. This guy could be a champion at some point. Yeah, crazy to say. Needless to say, Crown Jewel was super special. So before we go, I just want you to hear this from a recent post from Sasha Banks. As time passes, there's been so much growth and there's been so much beautiful opportunity and um, a journey that I've been loving. But as the time also goes on, the day is coming that I've been waiting for for the past six months and I can't wait but I'm really gonna make most of this November to make all my dreams happen in preparation for this date that I've been waiting for. Um, I'm very excited and I hope you guys come along for this journey, which I know a lot of you have been with me for so long, so thank you. But I just wanna let you know there's going to be something so crazy coming. Okay, so you've heard that. I want you to make your own decision in terms of what that means. Here's what it means to me. It means Sasha Banks and Naomi are going to join us for war games. I've been saying this for months, especially when I found out that it was war games and that it's in Boston. What is one thing that Sasha Banks has never done in WWE? She's never participated in war games. She's never had the opportunity until now and so for me i think it's damage control nikki cross and a fifth member which potentially could come from nxt taking on bianca belair alexa bliss asuka naomi and sasha that's my prediction the other side of that tag team the side with damage control could potentially if they don't take nikki cross they could take toxic attraction but i think either way we see sasha and naomi at survivor series and i hope that the dirt sheets don't spoil that i want to be able to enjoy every minute of it on thanksgiving weekend all right we gave you a pretty extended show today i hope you enjoyed it let us know your thoughts on everything we shared here at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Stay connected. We'll have more content for you this week. Before we go, two things. Be on the lookout for SHW45 hitting IWTV very soon. And also be on the lookout for the premiere of Battle Slam Thriller coming to Fight TV very soon. We will keep you posted on that date. I hope you'll tune in. 
because I'm on commentary and I'll just, I won't tell everything. I'll just say it was a very special night. And as soon as you hear it, you'll know why. So with all of that said, I love you guys. I hope you guys have an amazing day and an amazing week. And until next time, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. I am Gerard Bonner. And this is The Faction. I my people.